Good evening, colleagues. It's eight o'clock on the button. It's Thursday, the 17th of June, 2021. This is Seeds of Creativity, show number 37. And this is the joy of not knowing part dos. That will just become clear in a moment. You're listening to Maria and Russell. This is the Seeds of Creativity live show on learnradio.net. And this is how you get in contact with us. Contact the show right now. Drop us a text to 7 26 400 or email the Seeds of Creativity team on seedsofcreativity20 at gmail.com. You can also write on our Padlet and drop us a shout-out on the page. Just head to learnradio.net and click on Seeds of Creativity to find us. Remember, we're on air until 9pm tonight. You're listening to LearnRadio.net with Maria Wojciechowska Kanida and Russell Prue. And a very warm welcome to you. Well, not as warm as it was yesterday, I have to say. A warmish welcome to you. My goodness, that was a sticky night last night. My, I hope you are all keeping safe and well. It's a little cooler across the whole of the UK, and we are just so grateful for that. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. We need to get on with the show. It's part two, part dos. It's amazing. We are so lucky to have our gentleman guest back with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Text, email, Twitter, anything you like. You can send a pigeon if you want it as well our takeaways today for colleagues are to look at different approaches to learning and how to engage children with the concept of not knowing and we'll be building on last week's show which of course is available on all podcast platforms do subscribe to our feed you'll find the rss button on the front page of learnradio.net click on that and you will never ever miss another of our show maria how's your week been Oh, it's been great. Thank you. I was very grateful for the rain today as, as a hay fever sufferer. So absolutely very grateful for it. Hasn't it changed, though? You know, 24 hours. Oh, yes, change. it's the thunderstorm. It just kind of changes the atmosphere really, really, really quickly. Folks, you've got the whole show to get in contact with us. We've got questions that have uh, not been answered from last week. There's still plenty of time and plenty of room for you on the show page. Just head there. Go to learnradio.net. Click on Next Live Show or Seeds of Creativity. Select today date thursday the 17th of june and you will be looking at today's show page as well as the live player on that page you'll be able to comment and that is exactly where we will publish the podcast immediately after this show and you can subscribe to that using the button on the page there well maria let's get this show on the road and welcome back our super guest well, thank you very much, Russell. I mean, I'm so looking forward to this part two, part dos, as you were saying, because we were talk- we're going to be talking later on about bilingual speakers as well. And this continues the conversation that we started last Thursday. It was such a fascinating conversation with Dr. Marcelo Starikov. And there are so many fabulous concepts to explore that we had to ask him to come back this week to continue the conversation. Now, last week we heard about when you're in a position of not knowing, it can develop those mechanisms for learning. And we also heard heard how educators can support children who have developed those anxieties, those feelings around not knowing. And Marcelo also discussed how he supports school with introducing the concept of a learning to learn week and also how colleagues can go about this and recommendations for implementing this process. Now, I myself, I'm an experienced primary educator and at 
this present time, I'm working with my niece, I'm looking at a home education program at the moment. And even since last week, it's had a massive impact about how I'm providing those opportunities and celebrating the moments, Russell, actually of not knowing, because I think that's really important because it's going towards that process of knowing. Now, listeners, if you haven't had a chance to listen again, you can find all the details on the show page from last week. Now, Russell, can I ask you, what's had an impact on you from last week's show? Well, it was that sudden realisation that why aren't we doing this already, I think, Mm -hmm. is that, oh my goodness, why are we still filling our kids' heads with a pile of stuff and then testing them Mm -hmm. at the end of their period of education about what they can remember? Why is the emphasis on um, rehearsing the question, knowing the knowing the answer. Why aren't we celebrating the fact that the exam or test should have the question we've never had before? That's mm. the in, that's the impetus. That's the excitement here. I want questions no one's ever had. On that's the test. That's the mm. measure. Surely. There's a, we're, we're due for a system change, aren't we, really? So I was thrilled and excited. This man is going places, and we are so lucky to have him back. I can't wait as well, Maria. Thank you very much, Russell. So coming up in the show, we will be welcoming back Dr. Marcelo Starikov and focusing this time on the area of philosophy for children. Now, Russell, what we would like to ask our listeners to get them involved in the show this evening? Well, we'd like them on the show page, of course, and question one, a series of questions will deliver throughout the live show. And if you are listening again as a podcast listener, you can go onto the show page, all the details on our website, up permanently, so you'll easily find it. And I'll put a link in the podcast. So we'll have a chapter button that you can click on and it'll take you immediately to there. So question one is just going up on the Padlet now. How are you currently implementing philosophy for children? Now, if that you go, oh my goodness, we're not, tell us. We'd like to hear that. If you're doing something or some work in that field, we'd like you to share that. So let's get a sample of exactly what's going on, a state of play, if you like as well. Now, Maria, I'll let you introduce the song because it just has to be pronounced correctly. Thank you very much, Russell. So this evening we've got a fabulous folk singer, Mercedes Sosa, and she's singing Todo Cambia, which means everything changes. Ah, absolutely gorgeous. You're listening to LearnRadio.net with Maria Wojciechowska Kanida and Russell Prue. Oh, that was an incredible song. I was singing, I was singing my absolute socks off, Russell. That was just wonderful. Thank you so much for playing that. Now, our guest this evening is Dr. Marcelo Starikov. Marcelo specializes in working with students in the classroom and leading staff professional development sessions that will remove those barriers to learning and enable all students to transform the way they view the process of learning and the way they perceive themselves as learners and thinkers. Good evening. Buenas noches, Marcelo, and thank you for joining us again on the show. Good evening, Maria, and good evening, Russell. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to be back with you this week. Thank you so much for inviting me back onto your fabulous show. And thank you so much for launching the show with one of my favourite songs of all time. Absolutely wonderful to hear Mercedes Sosa. Well, that's so interesting because todo cambia means everything changes. Now, can I ask you, can you jump into the same river twice? (laughs) It's it's amazing that you chose uh, that you chose that song. Um, Todo cambia, everything changes, and it, as you say, uh, Maria, it links to one of the most wonderful philosophical discussions that one can have with children. It's the one that really 
kind of started me being incredibly enthusiastic with what one can achieve when one starts to develop a philosophical approach to teaching and learning and having philosophical discussions with the children. Mm. It comes from, well, it's a very, very uh, traditional, you know, one of the most well-known philosophical discussions um, in, in the history of philosophy, but it comes, this, this particular story comes from a book called The Philosophy Files by Stephen Law, which I really, really recommend. It's a series, it's a book with um, a whole number of philosophical questions written for children that take you through a process of um, thinking philosophically. But what it does really, really well is it it pauses at various moments so that you can reflect. And then when it carries on, it has a tendency to then offer a different point of view, mm. um, which is really fascinating. And the value of philosophy uh, and the value of um, having philosophical discussions with the children is very much rooted on the fact that it trains children to l listen to lots of different ideas and at the end of the lesson even change their minds. Mm, that's uh, important. It's a, re it's a really, really powerful tool to um, to make children feel uh, comfortable with being with uncertainty, with not you know philosophical questions. By definition, don't have an answer, so they're already feeling very comfortable with um, with things that um, you know, with, with the concept of uncertainty. But to answer your question, to talk mm -hmm. about this very, very wonderful um, story. Um, of whether one can jump into the same river twice. Um, it's it's really fascinating. The, the, the story is that, well, in the book, there's two children having a, a picnic by, a, by the river, and one of them says, I think I've just made an amazing philosophical discovery. And the other one says, oh, yeah, what's that? And she said, well, I think that you can't jump into the same river twice. And the other one says, well, well of course you can. He says, no, no, let me show you. He says, so... She says, if you jump in the first time and you come out again, the second time you jump in, I think you're jumping to a completely different river. Mm. And the other one says, but no, what do you mean? I can see it's the same river. Of course you're jumping into the same river. It says, no, no. Be between the first time and the second time you jump in, the river would have changed in many ways. Mm. The water would have flown, the stones would have been disturbed, the fish would have flown by, the, you know, every, the, everything would have changed. So if, if the river has changed, then by definition, you must be jumping into mm. a different river. And so the, the story stops, kind of stops there and the children kind of love to you know, to 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 think about whether it is or not the same river, and interestingly, it's all to do with semantics. So it's what do you mean by is do you, is is do you mean that the river is the same river because it's still got the same name, it's still the same place, or is it a different river because the actual um, constitution of the river has changed? So it's very interesting to discuss the, the semantics. But then when you carry on um, with the story, it's, it's really amazing because it's, it says that not only can you not jump into the same river twice because the second time the river has changed, 
But it starts to talk about what the song was talking about, the concept of um, todo cambia, everything changes. So then you ask, you ask the children, well, the river's changing all the time. What else is changing all the mm. time? And that's another brilliant question. So they eventually say, oh, we are, you know, mm. we as people, Absolutely. we're changing all the time. Our blood's flowing around, our, you know, we're making new cells and, or, you know, every, every, we, we're changing all the time as well. So um, the, it's really funny because then you then the story goes that not only can you not jump into the same river twice because the river has changed the second time you jump in, but also the second time you jump in, yes. you're a different person. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So it's absolutely uh, brilliant. But um, And then you send the children home after having that discussion and they all go home saying to their families that they are a completely different person to the person that left home mm -hmm. this morning. Mm. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating um, concept. And, um, and it, it then goes on to explain something um, much deeper as well, that when you, if, if things are changing all the time, like time and ourselves and the river and so many things that change all the time. Um, it says that when you're looking at a river, if it's changing all the time, then you're not looking at one river, but you're looking at infinite number of rivers all mm. existing for an infinitely small amount of time. Because mm. they're all changing, change, 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 change. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's just incredible and mind-blowing, but so simple. You know, these, so simple, yes. these techniques can you know work all the time. Can I just ask you, the terminology, does it matter, philosophy for children or philosophy with children? What are your I thoughts, Marcella? I was just Marcella? going to say, yes, I was just going to say um, that uh, the terminology is, is, is many. It, it started um, with Matthew Lippmann in the 60s with what he called philosophy for children. Um, there are people who now say philosophy with children uh, because it's a community of inquiry that you create in the classroom. And then there are others, as, um, as, as I describe in, in the book, um, there's other ways of looking at philosophy where my preferred way is to look at it as philo a philosophical approach to teaching and learning. I see. So it's... It, it does, the approach does include having lovely philosophical sessions and there's nothing more wonderful than coming in to the classroom and launching with a philosophical question of which we'll give lots of examples tonight. Um, but also what, what has fascinated me throughout um, my time in education is the fact that one can create and and develop a philosophical approach to the teaching and learning process. So um, that is really, really exciting because it means that every lesson objective, everything that happens in school, it all launches through a philosophical uh, perspective. Mm. And it makes children really fascinated to want to engage because they are discussing things before they engage in the learning. So, so that's what's called the community of inquiry. 
That's fascinating. So, Russell, it's a bit, you know, it's not just having a lesson. It's about having critical thinking skills as well. Absolutely. And don't forget creative thinking skills as well. So it's those critical questions and going about it in the, you know, the roundabout way and not not looking for that simple answer, because that's what we're kind of looking. Now, can I draw your attention to the the, you you talk about something in the book uh, about how uh, philosophy can promote creative learning? And you think uh, one of the examples I think springs to mind, what questions would you ask a spoon? I love that. I love that. Or Minister of Spoons. I think that's brilliant. Uh, what was pati- That was particularly engaging for me, and I, and I really enjoyed that. So, I, And I wonder how educators can support their learners with thinking skills in the classroom. And do philosophical discussions allow children to develop the sense of social consciousness? You kind of alluded to a little bit of that at the start there, particularly responsibility and awareness. So, so, so does, is that a natural progression? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, um, it, in the book, it distinguishes the um, the development of thinking skills mm. um, by the use of what's called the thinking skill starters. So mm-hmm. these are um, open-ended challenges that greet the children every morning uh, from nursery to year six um, mm-hmm. at all. So every day they, there is a challenge that they can all, all succeed in. Um, which is open-ended and which promotes creative thinking and their thinking skills. So those Mm. are, they, and those could be absolutely anything, you know, what could a circle be or, um, you know, like you're saying questions you'd ask a spoon or um, if it's, um, you can link them to whatever's happening in the world. So if, if, if it's, budget day you could you say you know how if you were promised how would you spend the money sure they could be they could be word association games sure um they could be scientific um ideas you know the, the other really lovely one is a difference in some similarities between blood and ketchup so these are kind of the starters and those can be philosophical as well yes um uh of course um and is there is there a grade to them so is there can you distinguish the difference between you know something like who paints the rainbow and and so is that at one end of a scale to something more or less philosophical than other questions is there a scale there yeah um no there isn't really a scale um because these can be so varied Mm. and can be absolutely anything can become a thinking skill starter okay um, the Who Paints the Rainbow one is, is actually a philosophical um, story, which um, I, I went into a year one class once and they were doing a, a PE dance around, um, you know, those, those um, times, times table dance and they were dancing to mm-hmm. it and it's all to do with their rainbow. So, and I was coming in after that to do philosophy with them. So I just saw the rainbow and I just asked them, Who Paints the Rainbow? led to the most incredible discussion. These are children who were used to um, having philosophical discussions, so they knew how to uh, approach that funny question this funny man asked them. Um, But it it just came, it just, those sorts of questions then bring up so many Mm. interesting concepts. Yes. The children started talking about light. Obviously, they laughed a lot and said nobody paints it, and but then they start to find explanations and through asking what seems to be a very funny question you start to develop their way of thinking creatively um and and critically mm. um and 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 what it does as well is is they they think 
together. They build on each other's thoughts. They build on each other's ideas. And they, it's amazing to see because they say, um, oh, I agree with you, um, but have you thought of this? Oh, I don't agree with mm. you. You know, from really, really early on, um, they start to develop those, you know, real critical skills of listening, of um, being open to other people's ideas, um, of um, of building on other people's um, judgments. So they use new knowledge that they that they're getting from yeah. what someone else has said to then propose their own um, uh, other theories. Excellent. But the other thing that you say, Russell, is very, very, very important in, in when you develop this philosophical approach to, to life at school, is the link with uh, democracy, yes. with um, citizenship, absolutely, um, with the families. Um, I Just a lovely, lovely story that summarizes the impact that this can have when, when the... Um, when you develop this kind of culture, I guess it's a culture in a school. Mm. Um, these philosophical questions, or starters and starters, um, I suddenly thought that were would be really, really good to use, not just to welcome the children in the classroom, but to welcome the families into the school every morning. So I developed the, the idea of having a blackboard in the playground where every morning would put up one of these thinking skills questions or philosophical questions on the blackboard, leave chalk out there. And as the families would come into school and be waiting to uh, to enter school before the before school started, they would engage with the question on the blackboard. And families thinking together, learning together, the most incredible atmosphere that you can imagine and the way the children were running in and seeing what was there every day was amazing. But but that gives you the opportunity to then um, make the school feel part of the world, you know, rather than isolated, it's part of the, the global perspective. Um, we This was during the, um, uh, the time when, I, I don't know if you remember, but the Chilean miners got stuck yes. in the mine. Um, and I was at, at Hartford. In, I was the head at Hartford Infants at, at that time. And the day they got rescued, and because I'm Argentinian, so that you know the Chilean thing was it was very close to to, to my heart. So the the day that they got rescued, which was live on national TV, um, you know how the edge was coming out, we put on the blackboard messages to the miners, to the Chilean miners. That was the thing on the blackboard, and every family that came in wrote something in, you know, like Maria was saying, in their own language. So it was a multilingual, multicultural contribution, very philosophical, very thought provoking and connecting the, you know, what was happening in the world, the children in, in a, you know, in, in a school in, in, in Brighton to um, what was happening um, in Chile, and then we collected those those all everything that everyone and sent it to them. So, um, you know, it was a, it was an amazing thing to do, um, but facilitated by having that kind of culture and having the blackboard in the playground and having the idea of always having a question or um, 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 a, a philosophical thought on 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 the board. Wow. 
Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Maria, I know you've got a question because you're very interested in whether there's a right or a wrong answer there, aren't you? Yes, I'm fascinated by that. Um, you know, with regard, Marcelo, to philosophical questions, you know, do they always have to or need an answer? How important is modelling this for learners, for our children? Mm. Oh, that's a brilliant question. And um, when, when philosophy as a concept is introduced to the children, it's really brilliant to introduce it to them um, as, the, as philosophy is, first of all, it means a love of wisdom. So it's a love of knowing what you don't know, which is really fascinating. Um, but it's also, um, it's introduced to them as the one time when they can discuss questions that don't have an answer or that have more than one answer. Mm or are impossible to answer, like mm -hmm. Fermi questions. Mm. Like, um, you know, what's the population of the world? We all have an estimate of that answer, but we don't have an accurate answer. Um, and then um, it's all, and then it's also philosophy. The other thing is that they get used to a philosophical questions that drive the curriculum. Mm. So like we said last week, if you, if any teachers are listening at the moment and you're about to do a lesson on, on on shape, um, you could launch that lesson by asking the children whether 2D shapes exist. Mm. Or if you're doing a lesson on time, you could launch on, you know, learning the clock and hours and time. Um, you could launch the activity on um, by asking them, does time exist? Mm. Or if you're doing uh, sort of maybe further up the school, looking at distance, time, uh, speed, you could launch it by saying, how fast did the Mars rover go to get from Earth to Mars? Mm. Um, so you, you, you place these kind of what at first seem impossible um, ideas in, in children's minds right from the beginning. But what it does is it, it it, it immerses them in, in something really, really tangible and really interesting. And I think if I have to think of why they love philosophy so much, and I've got, um, you know, like in the book, there's loads of quotes of what that we can share later on of what children actually say about philosophy. Um, but I think, it, I, I, I think it's all to do with the fact that they... Children love doing things that they don't think they should be doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and as soon as you entertain them with philosophy, they think, oh, brilliant, this isn't normal school. This is mm. extra. This is brilliant. This is, you know, really exciting because it's, it's not what they regard as what they think they should be doing, which usually has, a, you know, kind of a negative connotation around it. But um, it's... Um, I think it's, 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 it's very powerful because you can also then, um, for example, go, if you have the Mars idea of, you know, if you're doing a maths lesson or a science lesson on, on travel, on space, on speed, on sand, you know, you can use that question, how fast did it go? And it's really interesting to calculate it mm. um, for them. But then you can launch into, you can turn, what I love doing is turn the curriculum content into a philosophical discussion that has moral 
imperative. Mm. So you, you can then say, which I did the other day with a year six class in, um, in, in the lovely Stratford St. Mary's School in Suffolk. Um, we then went on to, I, I gave them a, a whole list of um, costings at the moment, things that cost, you know, how much it costs to send the Mars, uh, the, the rope Perseverance rover to Mars, mm. how much it costs to hold the Olympics, how much it costs to vaccinate the world, how much mm-hmm. it, you know, so you compare these, this, these costs and then the children have a philosophical debate about whether it's right Mm. or wrong to spend the money or to devote, you know, to prioritize mm. certain things over, over others. Um, so you can immediately use this way of being to, to create this kind of um, uh, very tangible to the world um, learning environment in the classroom. So they, 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 the power the power is that the children view then view the curriculum as something that's relevant to them mm. and to their lives and that they find really fascinating absolutely because i think it's just it's just been released that um you know the g7 the, all the food that was left over was yes. donated to yes. um to you know local charities but why was there so much food left over yes. why was yes. there you know having yes. that conversation russell i yes. think yes. is so important yes. for our young children yes. absolutely it's amazing it's amazing that with every word that you say, another another question comes to mind. But we discussed about three or four weeks ago with the same class. Yes. Um, they were really interested in charities. And one child actually launched the question of whether charities should exist. Mm-hmm. It was the day of the budget, actually. It was the day wow. of the budget. We were discussing how the government should... Wow. Um, spend the money. So, you know, I said to them that the, the government has a big piggy bank and they have mm-hmm. all the money on the budget. They, they distribute it to transport and education and um, health and all that sort of thing. And then one of them said, but if they've got all that money, why they, why do we need charities? Mm. <laughs> Ooh, but that's, that's because, and it was brilliant because they were arguing that if the government provided for all need yes that was the argument that you would we would need charity from charities to exist that people fund so it was a fantastic argument and i don't know if we've mentioned this but the 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 very 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 powerful thing about this is that they immediately realize that when you enter into a philosophical debate argument discussion the teacher does not have the answer And it takes away that belief that children, you know, the traditional belief, children come to school thinking that the teacher is a person with all the knowledge to impart on them. Yeah. And turns it round, beautifully turns it round into this community of inquiry where everyone is co-constructing yeah. the, the knowledge together. Love it. Absolutely and love it. Yeah, and you and what that does is, which I always used to do, because I I I can't think of a lesson that I ever taught in primary where there wasn't one child that knew more than me or had um, a passion for what we're doing and and had you know had something to add or an experience about it or you know so it's using. I've always, I think it's always fascinating to 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 use everything that they bring with them. 
um, mm. about anything that we do that that we're doing, um, and, um, and 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 then we and then then drive the learning. And I guess that's what early years practice is, isn't it? Early yep. years practice, mm. you set the environment, and then you go f- from what the children are interested in, or what they engage in. You then develop the learning from that, and you go from their ideas. Lovely. Um, for the next day, this Lovely. sort of child, child-led, yeah. I love it. A question that could easily fit into a postgraduate economics uh, discussion in a forum there as well. Anyway, folks, uh, still loads more to come from. So it's 23 minutes to nine. We are live, and after our next music break, we'll be taking your questions off the Padlet. Still to come, there's loads more of this fabulous man on our show. We are chatting about the subject of the joy of not knowing. Maria, what do we want our listeners to do now? Thank you very much, Russell. We would like you to write in what aspects of philosophy would you like to explore? And this is a perfect opportunity for you to ask Marcelo any question about the joy of not knowing, as well as the philosophical approaches that he's been talking about. And we've got a fabulous track coming up, Russell, as oh, well. Another we? one from the house of Methodius Sousa, I have to say. I've got that one. It says, Gracias a la vida. Did I get that one right? You did. Hey, way to go. It's great. Wonderful. More fabulous music, folks. We're back after this. Ah, gorgeous. Buenas noches, everyone. You're listening to Maria and Russell. This is the Seeds of Creativity live show on LearnRadio.net. 18 minutes to nine to nine o'clock. There's so much more still to come from us, and we're going on to the Padlets for your questions now. Thank you so much, Jem, long-time listener. Thank you. Co-constructing the knowledge together. That's why I love outdoor education, as mm-hmm. that's what happens. Bless you. Thank you so much indeed for that. Uh, she's been back on again as well. This is so interesting, Jem goes on to say. I <laughs> first started thinking more like this when we took part in the Great Science Share last year wow. with little one thank you so much everything was a question first it was an amazing way to hook into topics and mm. themes Jem, thank you so much as ever for those questions maria thank you very much russell and maya asks can i ask marcelo what age should we start asking philosophical questions for children she goes on to say i know that little ones are constantly asking why mm. i feel like i should have the answers what should i say should i offer them the opportunity to ask themselves good first? question that's mm. good Marcelo. Well, who, uh, so who, who is that asking? Maya, Maya. Maya, what an amazing question to ask. It's just, that's your question. It's, it's at the heart of, of doing philosophy with children. Because uh, as the book, the chapter on philosophy in the book launches with the phrase that children are born philosophers. Um, so the earlier, the better. It's just that there's no limit to um to how young um uh, you can do philosophy with the children um it's it's fascinating and they are natural philosophers so when they're very little the normal conversations um like you say maya because they're always asking questions they're always asking why they're always in- inquisitive they're always curious about the world around them um you you've got you don't have to think of an of of doing philosophy with them because you just natural conversations mm. with them are philosophical and the whole idea that really fascinated me throughout um, my career was to then keep that curiosity that the drive to want to learn about the world 
um, and be so excited about asking questions throughout their education, throughout primary school and throughout their lives. But I give you a little little example, um, Maya, of how amazing doing actually creating you know philosophical communities of inquiry in the classroom can be. Um, when I was the head of Hartford Infant Nursery School, so we had um, three and four years, three, uh, yeah, three and just four years old in the nursery, um, and and also obviously then uh, early years, um, the in reception early years. We used to go in all the time and do philosophy with them. Um, and a couple of really lovely stories that will just show you how wonderful this can be. Um, it was a very on a very hot day uh, in the morning. I took in um, some ice cubes uh, on a dish and I said hi to them. And I said, this is going to be our philosophy for today. And I'll come back at lunch and we'll, we'll have a chat. Yes, they were very used to um, having this philosophical conversations. Of course, when I went back at lunchtime, um, the ice cubes had melted. Mm. And um, I just asked them, you know, what have you done with the ice cubes? And it was just <laughs> the, the most, first of all, they all find it hilarious, um, and which is brilliant because bringing humor into the classroom is is about their well-being, isn't it? Just having that, that sense of uh, fun and humor. But then, you know, three and four-year-olds started to discuss all sorts of things to do with um, evaporation, with solids, with liquids, with gases, with, you know, water, you know, I, all freezing, all sorts of things came out, um, out of that very, very simple question. Um, with, um, with the, with reception, there's a really lovely story as well. We had, on the day of the inspection, um, I borrowed uh, a baby from the playground from one of our lovely mums mm. and took the baby in first thing in the morning, invited the inspector in, and um, we had a little philosophy session with the children reception. I just I had the baby with me and I was chatting to the baby um, and, um, and the baby wasn't chatting back. So I said to the child, <laughs> you know, when I say hi to you, you all welcome, you know, we all, we have a conversation. You say, but the baby's not answering back. What, what's, you know, what, it's a bit rude. What, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, you know, then why can't babies talk? And it was just the most incredible conversation that the children had um, in terms of their thinking about, you know, child development and, you know, all, all the ideas. Um, then we talked about advantages and disadvantages of being a child and an adult and all mm. sorts of things um, come from that. But then from a practical point of view, um, th- my then what we developed was, which is absolutely amazing, was a concept of why books. So the children in nursery and um, reception, instead of, us giving them a thinking school starter they had what they call why books so every mm. morning they'd, they'd get they'd get them into school they get their why book out and then they write their philosophical questions down it was incredible or work with someone to to uh, um, tell them what their philosophical question was i've got something in front of me now uh, i've just opened at random there's why is the sky blue um how is water made um and this is really fascinating to talk about Mars earlier. 
How many times have people been into space?、Mm. Um, why is your thumb so strong? You know, these are、oh. all. You know, these are all questions. How are bones made?、Mm. Um, why is blood red? You know, is these are all questions that、um, very, very、um, uh, young children are coming in with every day because that's their natural philosophy. And then this is this is a way of then、um, of enabling them to express it. So,、um, yeah, the earlier, the younger, the better. Oh, that's fabulous! Thank you, Marcelo. I mean, it reminds me of when I was in school. I would always say to the children, "I wonder why."、Mm. If they'd ask me a question, I'd say, "I wonder why." And、yeah. if I was, you know, as a starting point with it, with our English, with our literacy, you know,、mm. we'd have a book, and I'd say to children, "Here's a picture. Ask those 'I wonder' questions." And、yes. and they'd often think of things I hadn't thought of. You know,、mm. I wonder, I wonder why that character is, you know, in these clothes. I wonder why. And even when they、yes. would say to me things like.、Um, You know, do you like my picture? I would say to them, I wonder why you're asking me. And、yeah. they said because I want to know if it's good. So、Absolutely. I would then go back and say, I wonder why my opinion is important to you.、Yeah. So it, it take them a little bit of time to get used to, you know, earlier、yeah. in September. But they really they, embrace that, and they would absolutely feed and, that back. I yeah, mean, it's such and, a powerful way. Absolutely. And what I love is 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 that it allows you to play with ideas、mm. and look at normal. Scenarios and normal concepts from a completely different angle. So, for example, with very little children, or with older children,、um, can be with anyone.、Um, if you, you know,、uh, bring one to the front of the class and have a mirror, and they are looking into the mirror, and you say, "What do you see?" and they see their reflection,、um, and then you move the mirror away and you say, "Where's the reflection gone?"、Mm. Um, and um, and you do that. Goes into the whole realm of whether things exist or not,、um, and then amazingly, you can conclude that when you're looking at a reflection in the mirror, you're looking at things that don't exist.、Mm. So, can you see things that don't exist? It's、um, <laughs> it's a really fabulous、um, fabulous way to kind of get children thinking about.、Um, Um, you know about everyday things in a in a completely different way.、Brilliant. Absolutely, thank you.、Yeah. Now, can I ask you about、um, you know bilingual thinking? Because as a bilingual learner myself, I'm absolutely fascinated how you know being bilingual and multilingual thinking you、yes. know can be promoted. I mean, even listening now, you know, to the song by Mercedes Sosa,、mm. you know,、mm. it's a bit like two slices of bread because I、mm. I think I think I think in Spanish and English. You know, if I'm listening to those words and then I listen to them in English, they both complement each other. So how can colleagues, you know, in your own words、mm. in the book, embrace that richness? That every child brings. Absolutely, this,、um, and I guess it is very philosophical as well, isn't it? The 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 whole concept of、um, embracing everything that every child brings、uh, with them: their richness of culture, the richness of language, the richness of experiences. To welcome and embrace that in the classroom and use it to build the the, the learning together and to enrich the experiences. Of all the other children, from、mm-hmm. the experiences of one,、um, so the idea of multilingual thinking in multicultural classrooms comes from the fact um, that um, I guess, as like you, Maria, I you know came to England without 
speaking um, in English uh, as well. And I guess that is, is thinking back to um, how I was unable to access the curriculum until I learned English. So mm-hmm. what what this does is it tries to turn that around and to say um, that the it's, it's trying to promote the idea of enabling the children to engage when they first engage with the learning to engage in the learning in the language of their choice mm-hmm. and very often that is the language in which they feel most uh, emotionally connected with so just to give you a practical example if uh, you're doing if say you're writing poetry in the classroom it's and if any teachers out there just try try this is really fascinating if you say to them that they can write you know the the initial go at the poem can be in any in the language that they prefer so if i were writing poetry i i still would prefer to write it first in spanish because that's mm. how emotionally it comes out best mm. um um because um because it's my you know that's the, how i feel i can express my emotions better mm. then i would translate into english but the translation wouldn't quite have the same um kind of emotional engagement for me so the idea of children feeling that they can use any language that or any repertoire of language or experiences or cultural experiences that they have to engage with the learning um is is really fascinating and you can also um move towards the idea of um, not just writing things or engaging in one language and then translating it, but but allowing them or making them feel free that they can use um, a mixture of language mm-hmm. as they're solving a problem. So mm-hmm. what's being shown um, in research uh, to have um, um, a substantial cognitive benefit in children is if they are allow if if they get used to thinking bilingually multilingually about the same problem mm. so solving a problem using more than one language is really really fascinating and um there are many many examples in the classroom when when children have you know solve a mathematical problem by using um different um exp- uh, different the uh, languages to to explain the, the concept um that they were working through it's a really lovely exercise where you have to um um describe every number by using um letters but you're only allowed to use the number of letters of that number to describe it so Ooh. to describe one um you could say a because you use one letter and that means one doesn't it two mm. you can use you do by um uses two letters means two three try mm-hmm. or you could write four because that means four uses four letters it's really brilliant creative thinking task Russell you were saying earlier about thinking absolutely but then one child recently then did to do five then did cinco you know there was no prompting mm. that child just mm-hmm. knew spanish um so used Cinco, which is five in Spanish, uses five letters. Just it was just a nor it was nor a normal thing to do for them mm. um, to 
to um, to use more than you know to use all the all the repertoire of language to solve one problem. So yeah, really really fascinating and. It's something that, as, as with everything in, in the book, is it, there are ideas to play with. Mm. Um, so there's no prescribed way, they're just ideas. So teachers, um, well, listen, just have a go, just and, you know, just try things out in, in and develop your own way of doing them. But the, it's the concept of, of embracing more mm. than the language of instruction, which I find really interesting. Brilliant. Thank you. I think it's about, you know, when you think about it as philosophical approaches, it, it seems to be a more of a tangible way to enter the conversation, Russell, doesn't it? Absolutely as well. And Simon, sir, on the Padlet, they're really enjoying the conversation this evening. Thank you, Marcelo, he says. Thank you so much, Simon. Long time listener as well. Uh, just before I come to the next bit, Lorraine has been on as well. Have you ever used these questions as teacher in role in drama? I use similar questions to challenge children to explain things to me in role as someone who doesn't understand it and it works really really well you're probably feigning ignorance on that as well it's really interesting technique there as well a great approach to use in all areas of the curriculum what do you think Marcel? oh that is brilliant the drama thing is absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. um yes brilliant 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 and can i just um also add into the into the mix the idea of the bonos hats to do drama with and philosophy using the different colored hats so placing uh, children in a scenario yep. so for example um you say to to a, ch- a child is a customer at a restaurant this is pre-covid maybe on COVID. um but they you go to a restaurant and um the child the one child is sitting down being a customer another child is the waiter waitress and you set them the scenario that the meal is taking too long so you put them, like the listener was saying, you put them in those situations and then you give them different hats to wear um, as the conversation goes. You, 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 so they're reacting in a certain way, then you change the hats as they're talking and they have to completely change the way they're reacting to that same situation. Brilliant. So, okay. yeah. Brilliant well, to add the brilliant. hats on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the rain that moves that forward and a quantum distance, I think, is really, really good. <laughs> uh, can you share with us uh, what you're working on at the moment? Are you allowed to say what are you, what are you, what, are you, what projects have you got on the burner right now? What are you writing next? Well, um, in terms of projects at the moment, I'm doing um, quite a lot of exciting things with the students at the University of Sussex. Mm-hmm. So um, on the sort of primary um, and the graduate BA degree, so we're trying all these things out from the you know the heart of the start of the profession, which is really really exciting. But the most exciting thing of all that I'm currently involved with at the moment is with the wonderful people in Uzbekistan, who are developing the most incredibly wonderful reformed curriculum all based on creative thinking critical thinking lifelong learning and philosophy so um, i'm currently working um, on behalf of unicef for um, with them to try and implement to try and translate the wonderful theory that they've written as the um, uh, as the new curriculum into practice. So all these ideas in, in how can they be um, 
uh, established in, in the daily routine of, of the classroom. Wow, amazing. Thank you. Just absolutely amazing. Another brilliant show, Maria. It's wonderful. And I, I'd like to talk more to Marcelo about, you know, bilingual, because, you know, there's often that I say something to you, Russell, and I'll say, well, how do you say that in English? Because I want to be able to talk multilingually, mm. you know, I want to be able to talk mass, mass, which means more, you know, it just comes out naturally. It's just been a wonderful show. Thank you so much, Marcelo. It's just been incredible, Russell. Um, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm so pleased you had you back on again. As, as I said in my original tweet here, there's only one other uh, person that's been on uh, uh, twice and thank you so much indeed you are in an there should be a badge or something yes uh, an elite, an elite <laughs> group uh, an elite group as well uh, to join that thank you so much we've absolutely loved uh, uh, having you on the show we are uh, slightly over our time I hope you've enjoyed the show thank you I think we've got to most of the questions if we've not we're really sorry but thank you so much indeed uh, for all of your comments on that show page there as well uh, we're just going to finish with our very final question I'm just putting that up now we'd really like you to share on the Padlet if you can uh, please uh uh, ladies and gentlemen what has uh what has had an impact on you this evening for you really what ideas will you take away we always like to have that question answered so let us know what influence we've had on you what will you be taking away uh from today's uh show and we'll leave that up for you to finish uh, after That's, the show has finished it's a good one isn't it well, what, what will you take so away can i just finish yeah, with one course you quote can. from one course you one can. child of course you can. why they like is asking them why they love philosophy so much is, is brilliant good um but there was the quote from a year two child that always stays with me is that he said that philosophy is very thinkable mm. very that's thinkable why he, that's why he loved it yeah very thinkable yeah lost words i think they're very <laughs> thinkable that needs to come into the. I, i'm on to the oxford english dictionary right now i've got them online too we'll be asking thinkable needs to find its way if it hasn't it needs to be in there as well and on that note that's a perfect way to end the show as well and I, uh, folks i hope today's uh, show has been very thinkable uh, because that was our aim really we were aiming for that as well uh, maria has pasted up loads of information on the show page there for you so we've got a range of critical thinking prompts for you do 2d shapes exist that's a trip hazard if there ever was one as well i have to say as well can uh, and we talked about why can't babies talk as well and who paints the rainbow all of those are up on the show padlet there thank you so much indeed we will get this up on that show page as quickly as possible so that you can enjoy it as well so thank you so much indeed uh just fine just looking across the the page there as well uh just so ian's got on there just joined you all hope you're all well can you please uh, back announce this track excellent well maria has very kindly done that for you uh he's very good ian he's our bbc man there um and maria's popped those up there as i well. do look at them they're great uh lovely artists as well and it's one of uh, our guests uh, favorite bands and we played his all-time favorite track and it's our pleasure as well marcelo thank you so much indeed you've been a hoot and a half uh, as we like to say i've really enjoyed it and i hope folks this show has been very thinkable do join us again next time uh, this will be up available on all podcasting platforms i love the sound of that we've just recently changed our podcasting host provider and we are now playing absolutely everywhere you can download this on the go and listen to it on your journey i think it's very thinkable and uh, hopefully your classroom practice will improve somewhat thank you so much indeed we've had a great show folks if you've enjoyed us do show your appreciation there's a donation button at the bottom of the page 
None of us have had any wages for ages, and we'd love uh, for your help to cover our costs of bringing this show to you free of charge. That's very important to us that it is free at the point of use. And if you can make a small donation, we'd greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much indeed. Until next time, it's goodbye from her. And it's goodbye from him. This is LearnRadio.net, a radio station project created to reach educators and young people at home and school during the COVID crisis. Bringing you a broad range of cross-curricular topics, author readings and fun activities to fill your week. Our shows are free to air although we do have some premium content that's available for purchase. We have yoga breathing exercises and some poetry classes for sale. Visit our shop to find out more. You can also book us for an afternoon live radio show for your school or hire us for your care home to help connect residents and their families with a live show. LearnRadio.net is powered by Enderton Tiger, who also design and make radio stations for schools. Find out more about Russell's work at EndertonTiger.com.